We are Irresistible. A community of practice in collective healing and social change. Because our commitment to justice and to our own lives is compelling, joyful, and irresistible. Together, we celebrate the many traditions of movement leaders, cultural workers, and spiritual teachers who remind us to embody the liberation we are pursuing and who show us that our movements for justice can and must be expansive, vibrant, and alive because we are so much more than resistance. We are irresistible. I'm your host, Kate Warning, and today we have a very special episode featuring youth voices from the Yes Magazine essay contest called Your Wildest Dreams for 2020. If you're like me and you kind of cringed at this idea of your wildest dreams in 2020, then you are not alone. I think a lot of us have seen the memes on social media of joking about the plans that we had for this year and how much is changing and continues to change so fast. I cannot believe we are approaching entering our sixth month of 2020 already. But it also felt like really sweet time to be reading these essays. This essay contest is the coolest thing. Yes Magazine does these in schools all around the country regularly. Shout out to Jing and Zenobia for making this connection possible. And this year, a total of 1,342 students wrote essays for this writing contest. You're about to hear four of them, ranging from middle school to high school to university level. And the reason why we're airing them here is because the essay prompt had to do with our New Year's practice this year. So if you've been with us for a minute, you know that at the turn of the year, Alicia Garza offered us a practice for visioning 2020, and it involved evaluating our personal and political practices and commitments, figuring out things we can let go and new things we want to cultivate. And so the students read the article that I wrote in Yes called How to Prepare for 2020. They did the practice, which I still recommend going back to. It's called Visioning 2020 with Alicia Garza in our podcast feed. Um, It's never a wrong time to revisit a visioning exercise, and the conditions have definitely changed from what we were guessing six months ago. So the prompts the students were answering was to talk about the things that keep them up at night or make them anxious, from grades to fitting in to climate change, mass shootings, and hate groups. So from the very personal to the collective. And they were asked to reflect on a quote from Alicia Garza where she said, clarity inside of chaos can help us find direction when it seems like everything around us is unstable. That quote still feels super relevant. And so you are about to hear some responses that students had as they thought about what gives them anxiety, what feels unstable around them, and that as we have begun this new decade together, what they aim to accomplish in their wildest dreams, what their struggles are, but also what their visions are, and the steps that they are taking to make those visions become realities. And so we're so grateful to Sadi, Theo, Athena, and Daniel for sharing your words with us. And here they are. 
I'm Athena Almanor, a recent graduate of Spring Hill College living in Mobile, Alabama. The title of my essay is Woman with No Nation. You sound like a white girl. You're an American baby now. Wow, you actually speak very good English. Did you live in a tree? As a Ghanaian immigrant living in the United States, I've heard it all. Statements from my own family members living back home and from friends I've made in this foreign land serve as reminders that there really isn't a place for me. I'm too American to be African, yet I'm too African to be American. Even college professors have laughed while a fellow student mocked a group of African languages by clicking his tongue at me and asking, what did I just say in your language? disregarding my offense and reinforcing ignorance. Many of my anxieties and doubts about self-worth stem from these types of interactions, but I have adapted self-monitoring to the highest degree in order to be more palatable and to fit in. As an outwardly appearing African-American, I fight negative stereotypes when interacting with white people striving for excellence in both academics and athletics, hoping to outrun stereotypes and shatter prejudices. Within the African-American community, I appear as a poser. I walk, talk, and think too differently to be welcomed there either. For my relatives, I speak too American, too fast, and I stress all the wrong syllables. I've carefully created so many personalities, slipping out of one skin and into the next to appease others that I hardly recognize my true self. So when I hear words like, go back to your country, a tidal wave of confusion hits me. Sometimes I wish I could, but I know the same alienation I feel here would be waiting for me in Ghana because I would still be seen as an outsider. I am a woman with no nation. I worry about being viewed as second class, about not being awarded the same rights and freedoms, about losing my culture, and about losing irreplaceable familial relationships. So, what in my wildest dreams do I wish for this nation? I wish for acceptance. I wish for understanding. I wish for kindness and an egalitarian mindset for all. I wish for the extinction of xenophobia and the predominance of support. I wish for a community in which I do not feel the need to prove I am not a threat, where my culture is not a trend, and above all else, where being me is enough. My wishes may seem far-fetched and on par with beauty queens claiming to want nothing more than world peace, but I am aware that I must make efforts on my own behalf and not simply put wishes out into the world. In this new decade, I continue to fight for my dream by working with refugees, building bridges between them and other volunteers as both groups work together to create a safe space filled with the same friendship and sense of belonging that I've craved for myself. I continue to make strides towards my dream by rejoicing in differences and staying open to immersing myself in new experiences without judgment. I continue to make leaps in my effort to make my dream a reality by engaging in intercultural, interreligious, and interracial dialogues, fanning the flames of mutual understanding. And as I look at the next 10 years,
I plan to make bounds towards realizing my dream by doing something we all struggle to do in life. To discover who I am outside of the carefully curated personalities I put on and give that person all the support and acceptance I so willingly give to others yet constantly deny myself. This new decade demands that I stop viewing my self-ascribed status as a woman with no nation, as a weakness, and instead make way for the potential it holds. I'm Daniel Cook, a junior at Spring Hill College living in Mobile, Alabama. My essay is called Fighting the Undertow. Have you ever been caught in an undertow? Imagine swimming through the waves, feeling the cool rush send a shock through your body when a force begins pulling you away from the shore. You try swimming back to the beach, but feel the current's grip dragging you farther out to sea. After a minute, your arms and legs begin hurting. You start choking on water as you gasp for air. You attempt to yell for help, only to be choked on by more water. Your mind is in a state of panic as your body begins shutting down. Suddenly, you remember what your parents told you. Swim parallel to the shore. You turn and start swimming again. Every muscle screams in agony, but you keep fighting. Finally, after what seems like an eternity, the force stops. Relief floods your mind. You slowly swim to the shore and crawl into the sand. Falling flat on your back, you breathe peace back into your soul. Life is full of undertows. Today we are faced with so much political and social injustice that many people feel as if they are caught in an undertow of emotions. I was caught in this particular undertow for a while. As a gay male living in the deep south, I have struggled with finding my place in society. I have often asked myself questions such as, who do I want to become? What do I stand for? And how can I help others? With the start of the new year, I have decided it's time to face these questions. I'm an activist at heart. It's my purpose. With the help of the Yes article, How to Prepare for 2020, and Alicia Garza, I was able to pinpoint objectives that I should focus on instead of aimlessly treading through life being swept farther away from my goals. I want to be able to hold my husband's hand in public without eyes glaring in our direction. I want to have a place of worship that accepts me. I want to be able to enroll my children in school without the fear of them being bullied for having gay parents. I want a job without having the fear of being dismissed because of my sexuality. I want to be seen as an equal instead of as an other. And most of all, I want to live in a world where I don't have to fear being murdered like Matthew Shepard. In order to achieve all of this for myself and people like me, I have to be more active. The article helped me outline steps I can take within the next year to help myself and others in the LGBTQ community. These steps include getting involved with a local LGBTQ activist organization, getting trained in how to provide safe spaces for people to freely discuss issues affecting them, and reading more literature and research on LGBTQ issues while making these resources more available to the public. If I can conquer these steps, I will have made 2020 worthwhile. 2020 is the year I have decided I will no longer be a victim of the undertow. By focusing on my goals and following steps to achieve them, I will have the knowledge and the ability to get out of the treacherous current of fear and anxiety about being who I am. 
I will no longer drown in the self-doubt accompanied by not knowing what I stand for. I will glide through the waters of hate and social injustice and hopefully arrive one day on the shores of equality, love, and acceptance. My name is Sari. I'm a sophomore student at Mamaroneck High School. I live in Mamaroneck, New York. My essay is called A Borderless World. As I walk into the kitchen, I see both of my grandmas stirring the masa and my mom putting the tamales de carne on the stove and cutting different fruits to boil in the pot for caliente. It's noche buena and my dad, my siblings, and I are hanging ornaments. At the bottom of the tree, we arranged the three wise men and the animals on one side, Mary and Joseph on the opposite side of each other, and placed Jesus and his manger at the center of them all. Lastly, we put up the star on the tree and turn on the beautiful lights. At 8 p.m., we gather around the table to eat. We pray to God for all the good things he has brought us in the past year. Then we pass the tamales de carne around, talk about our family in Guatemala and how they decorate their trees with clementines and light fireworks at Christmas and laugh at my brother's jokes. Everyone is together in one place, one day, one moment. But that's all a dream. Instead, it's only my parents and I at the table. Some people are able to see their family every single day, or at least once a week. But my parents are forbidding to see their relatives. They went through a lot to get here, and they've never gone back to Guatemala. While they are grateful for the opportunities here, the borders they crossed are like a cage, keeping them from seeing their loved ones. So when I dream of a better future, I dream of a world without borders. These boundaries keep our families apart. A few months before I was born, my dad received a call. My grandpa had passed away. My dad had a hard time dealing with not being able to see his father those last few days he was alive. This was devastating. I see other kids with their siblings playing soccer, bonding, and telling each other jokes. But I only see my siblings every two years, if I'm lucky. I can't imagine how I would feel if my siblings were here. I know I wouldn't feel as lonely as I do now. It's not easy to be a child of immigrants, feeling scared every second of your life, and constantly thinking about what ifs. Last summer, when I was at Camp in Maine, miles away from my parents, immigration police arrived on my first day. I wasn't allowed to contact anyone, and I had a meltdown. It was heart-wrenching to think about being separated from my parents, and yet these borders have stopped my parents from doing the same seeing their mothers. Can you imagine not seeing your mother? A borderless world is like an eagle soaring through the sky, completely free. In a borderless world, families would be united and everyone would live without fear of someone searching for them. In her Yes article, Alicia Garza, How to Prepare for 2020, author Kate Waring says, we are often called to reflect on our lives and how we want to mobilize ourselves and our communities. I often reflect on this beautiful dream that one day our world would be borderless, a dream that I will fight for. At the camp in Maine, I learned about the Hawaiian word ohana. Ohana is the spirit of family togetherness. It means that no one is ever going to be forgotten or left behind. They are stuck with each other no matter what. Ohana can also mean nest, which is where birds go to be safe with their families. Just like birds, Immigrants want to be with their families in a safe place. Everyone together, in one place, one day, one moment.
I am Theo Cooksey, an 8th grader at Briar Terrace Middle School living in Limwood, Washington, and my essay is called Looking Back to Move Forward. I've never really looked at long-term goals for myself as Alicia Garza suggests in the Yes article How to Prepare for 2020 by Kate Warning. Other than my goal of reaching Eagle Scout before I turn 18, I tend to live day to day. I'm 13, so shouldn't I just, well, be a kid? Isn't goal planning and future planning something adults do? To be honest, when I read the article and learned what the topic was, I locked up like a clam. Sharing dreams of how I could positively change the world makes me uncomfortable. Why would I open myself up to that level of critique, especially in middle school? Although I would love to see advancements to reduce the effects of climate change and uneven wealth distribution, I can't visualize myself impacting these issues right now. This led me to wonder why I stopped thinking about my ability to influence the future in a way where anything is possible. What made me narrow my scope and start looking down rather than seeing my potential? I believed I couldn't possibly change the world if I could hardly impact myself. If you're always working at fitting into a world by others' standards, how do you have time to dream of your possibilities? This made me ask, when did I allow this box to contain me? When I realized I wasn't accepted as myself. When I was young, I possessed an immense personality that couldn't be contained. I was a giant, perpetual motor, hurling questions, wanting answers, always moving. However, over years of school, my personality withered and my motor followed suit. Going from a storm to no more than a summer breeze, my motor was barely able to push paper. Why did that happen? I quieted my voice so I wouldn't be told I was too loud. I suppressed my motor so I wouldn't be told to stop moving. I spoke less so I wouldn't constantly be told to stop talking and stop interrupting. After spending so much energy shrinking my personality, I hardly had time to look up and think about what I wanted to do. How do I get back to looking up and out into the world? I believe that this assignment has given me the chance to start doing just that. As I uncoil the past, undo the steps, and remember the moments that quieted and contained me, stole my voice, and seized my motor, I am determined to recreate what I lost. I will slowly rebuild my motor into an impervious hurricane that will break out of the box that limited me. My opinion will not be hidden from others. As I lift my head up, I will start with the small things and my familiar spaces. For me, these are working on what affects me directly, like school and what I enjoy outside of school. I will build the forge in our backyard with my dad to pursue blacksmithing together. I will continue to hone my skills in archery. I will dust off my trumpet and give myself the chance to hit the high notes. I will earn Life Scout to put me one step closer to Eagle. By keeping my head up and moving forward with a plan, I no longer need to be the kid who internalized everything. Becoming a better me now, at 13, will make me a better person who may just be able to influence climate change and build a more equitable wealth distribution system when I get older. Thank you again to all of the young writers that contributed your voice and your vision to this episode. You can check out their full essays published in Yes Magazine via the link in the show notes in whatever platform you're listening, click on through. And you can also find a full transcript on our website at irresistible.org podcast. We are starting to shift our season here at Irresistible. We have been doing rapid response coverage and practices and grappling conversations in this season of responding to pandemic and shifting terrain for a couple months now. We have episodes about um, disability justice and about adjusting strategy and what happens politically during crises and emergencies. And we're starting to move into a little bit of a deeper rooting into this season. 
a look at um, what are the ways that we can be creating and recultivating vision from inside of a prolonged emergency or crisis state. Um, that includes more awareness of uncertainty, but things were never certain before either. And we're also going to be engaging with a new book club selection soon, so stay tuned for that. In this vein, over the next week, we'll be sharing an episode that guides you through making your own altar or sacred space at home and how you can join in our collective community altar that is all about cultivating lives and commitments to social justice movements that are irresistible, abundant, and full. And so we're so excited to share those beautiful episodes with you and are so grateful to all of the students here for cultivating vision with us, to Zach Meyer, who does our sound mixing and mastering for this theme music from Anna Cecilia, and also to Allison Thompson for social media. Irresistible Podcast is supported by Calliopeia Foundation, dedicated to reconnecting ecology, culture, and spirituality. You can learn more at calliopeia.org. Okay, everybody, hear you next week. Sending love.